This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Travelers Down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I am your party host, your custom-made host, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Sagar Lee Malone. Lee, how are you, my friend? I'm not too bad, pal. It's uh, good to be back on, on a regular episode of Thunder this week. Yeah, um, I feel like... Um, things have been hectic in the pod world, but things have been hectic in the real world as well. So there's like, it feels like returning to your constant or grounding yourself or something to be mm-hmm. back doing a a bog standard uh, it, it, episode. It's, it's wrapped in that that safety blanket of a thunder taping. Yeah, where you know the wrestling isn't gonna blow you away. Yeah, but it's it's just that that nice little. Yeah, it's like it's a welcome the, home. It's the it's the the basic ham sandwich, um, is what it is. Just just reliable, get the job done. Um, I actually had um, I'm not using it today, but I'm staring at it right here. Um, I, I tweeted about this. I is had a ham sandwich. No, although now I'm thinking very much about a ham sandwich. I had one of these moments um a couple of weeks ago where I realized how old I've gotten. Um, Lee, and it's. You know when you're in your youth and you go out for a few cheeky jars uh, mm. of a weekend and you, you imbibe um, and I, I don't know if this is the same phenomenon for our American friends or whatever, but it used to be the case that you'd either, you know, uh, make a drunken purchase of usually some like very greasy food or back kind of, I suppose when we would have both been college age was the prime era of like um, our supermarkets being 24 hours. Oh yeah. So like yeah. sometimes I'd ramble in and buy absolutely useless shit. Um, and I had one of those nights where I went out, I had a few pints. Now not that many, to be honest, but I think it was it was I made the the rookie early uh, of not having real proper food for soakage. I think I had a bowl of soup that whole day, and that was it. Not good, not good. Yeah, and then I went out on the Guinness. So like my own fault, my own fault. But I woke up the following day and I was kind of like suffering. And about halfway through the day, I get a ping of an email from Amazon saying your your order is dispatched. And I was like, oh mother of Jesus, what am I after ordering now? And, like, instead of um, all these kind of useless bells and whistles, shiny things that I would have bought in my youth, I ended up buying, like, a succession of annoyingly boring and practical things on a whim. (laughs) 
so so like I bought a the first one was a, a waterproof uh could a utility backpack um that can protect my laptop because uh, you know as people that follow our, our Twitter might know I often edit these shows while I'm you know either on a train to work or on my lunch break in work or you know off at a <laughs> some sort of the element on some kind of fucking camping trip or yeah at a meeting or on a training day or yeah when I'm bringing a group somewhere or something like that, whenever I have some spare time um so this is one of those that'll keep the laptop nice and safe, has its own little secret pouch, has one of those. It's one of those bags that has the USB charging port on the oh, side nice, of it. Yeah. So, you know, it's like it's proper 21st century shit. Um, so that was one thing. Then I bought like a new work lunchbox, apparently. One of those kind of little cooler bags that folds down when you've you've eaten your lunch and it's empty. Which again, like, look, I can't argue with any of these things being very handy for me, but it's just like me being so disappointed in myself that this so, is where, where I've gotten to. So can we now say that Drunk Dave is a lot more practical and realistic than Sober Dave? Yeah, and it used to be like very much the opposite. Um, my friend Mick used to call the 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 altered state version of me Dave two point because it was like an upgrade in terms of like volume, confidence, uh, <laughs> charisma, and definitely a downgrade in terms of inhibitions and stuff like that. But uh, the other two things I got right are the real kind of like how is a drunk per- person thinking this specifically about ver- about needs they have around the house. So I got one of those um, foldable metal laptop stands to put my laptop kind of at an angle yeah, when, yeah, yeah. I, when I'm I'm watching stuff or when I'm doing podcasts. Like not mm. today because I tend to put it on my little tray here um, on my chair. But like sometimes when I'm doing, there are nights where I'll do like Link to the Cast and then go straight into Meeting You or we'll do two back to back or something. So I wanted one where I could elevate it that I could so, yeah. stand if I wanted yeah. to. Um, so I got that and then the final and I think most kind of ostentatious one even though it was probably the cheapest of the lot of them was um, this hairbrush and comb set which look needed um, because you know my my lockdown project still ongoing is I've, I've grown out my hair and now it's gone like well past my shoulders um, when it's down um, but it's like it's a genuine boar hair hairbrush <laughs> Uh, like, like proper see, proper now I'm imagining drunk Dave coming home yeah. and saying to Emma you know what you're not stopping me from getting this anymore this is yeah. on my mind this should never would have stopped me in the first place and like look I was laughing at myself and I was mortified I was like who gets a genuine boar hair hairbrush with like proper I will say hand carved wooden handle oh, I was going to like, I was actually saying. I was going to bring it in here to show you on the screen on Zoom just do a bit of show and tell for you um I also <laughs> I also got this is I'm literally just opening it here and I can do show and tell for this bit. I got a year's subscription to um Tribune the uh, the socialist workers magazine <laughs> Which is, look, it's a beautiful magazine, and I, I had a subscription to it before. Uh, shout out Tribune. Uh, but yeah, I, I was going to say about the hairbrush as well. Um, I was laughing at myself, and I was like, oh, like who needs that far? But I will say, Lee, it's the nicest hairbrush I've ever had in my life. <laughs> now, it actually, now that I think about it, it is the first hairbrush I've had in my life as well. I was just going to say, I don't think I've ever I, had I was very much, hairbrush. I was very much a comb man. 
Um, but now it's kind of like the hair has gotten so long and when the hair gets tangled, you need something with a bit more welly than just a standard plasticky comb. Yeah, but um, see, you have to remember the last time I had hair, it was all about just putting your hands through your hair and there yeah, you go. That's that, yeah, this is the last time you had hair was during the Clinton administration. As <laughs> <laughs> Not far off, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, I had yeah, sympathies. <laughs> there was a bush in office and you'd be surprised by which one. <laughs> <laughs> Click here. The results will surprise you. <laughs> That's what we have to get into. What? We, we got to get into like bush Clickbait. Yeah, yeah. Clickbait, yeah. yeah. Um, well, actually, here's a nice uh, segue in terms of clickbait because this is something that I know the listeners go absolutely ham for. I've got some snack talk. Go for it. Yeah. I, uh, I, was, I was waiting for a sting to play there because we do that much snack talk now that I think mm. we need to have a... So, I, 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 yeah, I know. We, we do need... we need, it, it does need to be its own proper buffered segment. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I had, a, I had a bit of a weekend because I, I kind of... And this is something else I tweeted out at the day to Dave um, that I finished, like, the hardest part of my year is the middle of the summer because we do mm. summer programs. And I think I was even talking about it behind the paywall on Patreon um, last week that I was kind of just coming towards the end of things. So I finished on Friday uh, that whole busy period. Um, and I celebrated by going to my my old boss in work, who's become a good mate of mine. Um, I went to stay in his house in Wicklow, out in the middle of nowhere in the mountains for a barbecue. And then the following day, myself and Emma went into town and we got some cool shit. So I barbecue was immense. Um, not like there was um, was it a smoky maple barbecue burger I had was one of the things. Ooh, very nice. Um, some fresh grilled halloumi, some um, some lettuce and tomato right out of one of Steve's friends works in a, a garden centre and she like has a huge kind of garden set up at home. She was showing mm. me on her phone. Um, so she had made, like she had grown her own tomatoes and lettuce and that shit was delicious. Um, but otherwise pretty standard barbecue fare. Um, maybe a controversial food talk that would get me cancelled is, uh, or snack talk that would get me cancelled is that one of the big things they had that the rest of them were all having is potato salad, and I'm not a potato salad guy uh, whatsoever. I, I do not understand potato salad. Yeah. Uh, you see, I'm not like, because I'm not a coleslaw guy either. Like, I think anything with like a mayonnaise type uh, ingredient or texture to it, I'm, I'm not having. Mm. Um, I, I, I kind of dip in and out of coleslaw. Like, I can go a year or so without having it and yeah. then I'll be like ah Joe it'd be nice with a little bit of coleslaw uh, for me um, things with mayonnaise so like I very seldom would have mayonnaise and it would have to be quite sparing mm. um, occasionally with like I'm getting a chicken and stuffing roller sandwich I'll do a little bit of mayonnaise Butter would always be a preference, but oh, I can yeah. do a little bit of mayonnaise. I prefer butter myself as well. Yeah, I've never been a mayonnaise guy. Um, but that's besides the point. So the the um, the that was really nice, and they had oh to accompany the burgers and stuff like that. I was able to add some. Um, don't know where he picked it up uh, in Ireland, but some sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce instead of just like your standard ketchup to put on stuff. So that was that was some good shit. Mm-hmm. I then went to. Dublin the following day I posted um some photos of what I got on on Twitter I think um so I got uh Twix pop 
uh, caramel popcorn. And how was it? Oh, it was sensational. Now, I had been told, I, I, I did not take down the name of who said it to me. Um, I think it was Webcon that mentioned it. Was it Webcon that said the, the Oreo one? Oreo, yeah. Yeah. So the Oreo one is supposed to be great. And they did have the Oreo one. So next time I'm back there. So what you're saying um, is you made the wrong decision. Yeah, it's. Do you know that? Do you know where it is, Lee? Because you know Dublin. Um, it's the kind of like hipstery looking grocers that's near Grand Canal Dock Station. Okay, I know exactly. That what you're talking all, about, yeah. all all their um all their meat in there comes from FX Buckley, yes. which is like the like one of the, 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 the premier. Yes, yeah, the pre- one of the fancy butchers in Dublin. Um, so I got that. I very nearly, if it wasn't for the fact that we were going to be in town all day and I didn't want to leave meat in a hot car, they did have like um, Wagyu beef chuck burgers and different things like that. And I was like, hmm. But uh, so I got that. I got um, a slice of lemon drizzle cake from their bakery, which was fantastic. See, I'm not um, a lemon drizzle guy. Oh, I love lemon drizzle. Um, and I got, oh, Yes, a bottle of uh, a favorite place of mine. I can't remember if you've ever been there or not. Chimac in Dublin. I have not been yet. No. Shout out to our good friend Emma G. Yes. Chimac brand ambassador. Uh, Chimac is a Korean barbecue place uh, in Dublin, which is one of my favorite spots, and maybe one of our reunions we should go there. We absolutely uh, should. It's it's unbelievable. But they've started bottling and selling their KBBQ sauce, which is. Oh my god, it's so good. So I am going to have quite the chickeny cookout um, <laughs> soon with that. And then, that day as well, and this is kind of the main event of what I was driving at, we went for tapas. Which is like the perfect snack talk genre of food. Mm-hmm. And you have little bits here or there. Um, so I had like... Uh, you know, Emma ordered some stuff. I ordered some stuff. It worked out very well for me because she's vegetarian and I'm not. So I was able to have all of mine and some of hers. <laughs> Just some tastes, you know, nothing big. Um, on her side, which is kind of like, my, you know, my stuff is the main event in in my view. We obviously had the uh, the patatas bravas, which I think is like your kind of your, your standard yeah, yeah, if you're standard, there. Yeah. Uh, we also had kind of like uh, a nice crisp bread that comes with like fresh cloves of garlic that you're supposed to kind of rub into it rather than crush on it. Mm. And I was like, what's rubbing a clove of garlic off a piece of bread going to do to change the flavor? Lee, my life has changed. <laughs> it was incredible. It like, it, it kicked it up. Something fierce. Um, so you're saying you had this bread and you made it into this almost garlic bread. Well, yeah, but not because you know what I mean. Like normally, when I'm making garlic bread, I'm like dicing or mincing yeah, yeah, yeah. the the garlic onto it, or you know, mixing it with butter and putting yeah. it on. Like I'm physically putting the garlic on the bread, not essentially massaging it with the garlic. And I was like, how is any of this garlic even coming off on it? But it does because I guess garlic is so fucking strong. Um, so the potatoes bravas were great as well. Um, I tried Emma got like a spinach cannelloni, which was okay. really nice. Um, she also got like um, it was a, a potato and cheese Spanish omelet, um, which looked like it was fucking massive wedge of a yolk, but that was really nice. Um, and then for me, I got some. Um, the first thing I got out were croquettes so like small uh croquettes uh nice fried bread crumb on the outside bechamel sauce and 
cheese and ham, Iberian ham in the middle. Oh, lovely. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, and then the main event of what I had was, uh, oh, so there was like some, what were they? It was like a lemon and paprika chicken skewer as well. Really good. And then the main event was uh, braised beef cheek in, in gravy on a bed of mash. Oof. And it was, oh, the, oh, my friend. It was, Daddy, it was top drawer. so weekend. I, I know. Well, this is it. It was like, hey, um, I'm getting, so I get paid this week. And it's like, because I've been in work so much, I haven't really spent that much because I haven't been out doing stuff. So I have like a bit, a bit left and uh, I need to chill out after like six stressful weeks. So let's go do some gastronomic and retail therapy because, oh, that's the other thing. I went on a bit of a nerd spree, went to two of my favorite places, Terror Records uh, on Dawson Street in Dublin and then Subcity Comics just off Jervis Street. And I picked myself up quite a haul. I got um, the, oh, Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars comic. I got the the uh, Doomsday Clock, which is like the, the one-off story of integrating uh, Watchmen characters into the DC universe that like oh, even, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of fascinated to read good or bad. And then they, they have like a DC have like a, an, they used to have Vertigo as their grown-up imprint, but now there's like a DC black label, they call it. And it's a standalone Rorschach series. So I decided I'd get that to have a, a read of it. And then I picked up two of my favourite films uh, in Tower Records uh, on Blu-ray. Complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of actual quality. But um, I don't think uh, a man of our generation alive didn't, at during college time or age, go without watching the boondock saints okay yeah yeah um absolutely classic schlocky bad movie but i haven't actually like watched it since i was 20 or 21 so i i'm really interested the one thing i do remember that even at the time even though i was like this is awesome because it's so schlocky was how horrendous the irish accents were um in it um, but it'll be interesting going back to because this is the first thing I'd ever seen Norman Reedus in who obviously since Walking Dead now is like this massive mm-hmm. famous actor um, it's so always, I, in, always interesting when you go back on movies like that and you're like oh my god they actually went on to do something <laughs> yeah and then I got because I've never physically owned it but one of my absolute favourite movies on Blu-ray um, and that is Mulholland Drive ah very good movie uh, people who follow me on Twitter will have seen that I went through kind of like a, a summer of David Lynch last year uh, towards the end of lockdown where I watched like all three seasons of Twin Peaks back to back and then watched his entire filmography pretty much. I don't think I watched Wild at Heart, but I think I watched pretty much the rest of them. Um, and yeah, Mulholland Drive is pro- was probably my entry to him and it's probably still my favourite. Like sometimes I think maybe I like Blue Velvet more, but you know, gun to my head. If I've got to put a Lynch movie in my top ten of all time, it's I'm usually going Mulholland Drive. Um, so yeah, that's my my snack talk and nerd talk for the week, my friend. <laughs> you had quite, like I say, you had quite the weekend. Whereas yeah. I just had, you know, work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt bad for you, my friend, because yeah, we, we were talking at one point, and you were just like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm up at like." you know whatever stupid o'clock or 
Yeah. It's like it fucking, I had a game on Saturday evening and everyone's like, oh, we're going for points. I was like, yeah. nope, I'm in work. Yeah. Well, you know, it, like it ebbs and flows because like I was starting those summer programs and I, I trying to manage the start of our Patreon and you were fucking swanning off down the Iberian Peninsula. So, <laughs> yeah, next next week when I am on me, me holly bops in Prague uh, and you're left holding the bag, it'll be karmic retribution, my friend. <laughs> you say left holding the bag. I mean, <laughs> yeah. listen, you're leaving me in control of the Patreon, so. Yeah, Lord knows what will happen. Uh, speaking of which, Lee, uh, during your reign of terror on the Patreon, uh, do you want to let folks know we had a really good show last week um, and we've got, uh, well, we'll see what the, the new series next week is going to be like. What's the, remind people who may have missed the last free episode what uh, this month looks like on patreon.com slash WCW Thunderpod. So this month we have already released Rehash of the Champions 3, Fall Brawl, which was, of course, Sting facing Barry Windham in the main event for the US title. Um, upcoming then, this day next week, we will be releasing the first episode of Dave's Baby. It is Black and Golden Days, a basically a history of the NXT brand, going right back to the beginning, covering our first episode. We'll cover the first season, the entirety of the first season. I think we've settled on, yes. And then also we will have Dave will have his grab bag as usual to end the month. Yeah, boy. <laughs> discussing all things to sheet, um, any other wrestling he has seen, and whatever else crosses his mind. Yeah. And this coming weekend, I will have my first kind of extra audio where it'll just be myself flying solo. I've already put up um, a tread on the patreon for people to throw in any questions they have but i will basically just be covering whatever is on my mind this weekend and answering your questions mm. have you ever done solo audio before lee i have not so i am interested to see how i get on yeah i will we'll see listener if he can uh if you can get up to how long it was my first grab bag like 43 minutes or something yeah. i think See, that's that's the time to beat. <laughs> By beat, do you mean be shorter or longer? Depends on the context, <laughs> I guess. Ah, look, I'll go as long as I go. I listen. I could start an argument in an empty room. So yeah. Oh yeah, if you're left with no one to stop you talking about Edge, who knows what will happen? <laughs> and don't get me started on the Edge from you too. <laughs> um, but yeah, no big month. Um, if you haven't subscribed yet, um. We like to think it's good value for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, you know, roughly the cost of a cup of coffee a month, you can get in at the, the Team Beefy Dat here. Uh, and what that gets you guaranteed is at least two standard bonus shows um, and uh, the grab bag audio as well. Um, all patrons, like even if you don't have um, the €5 Euro a month or $5 a month, um you can uh, chip in at a lower level and you'll still get the sheet every month um, as I update it. Um, show notes. I think show notes. Yeah. Show notes come in from anywhere from one euro up, um, which we post at the end of every month. And uh, you also get to take part in different polls that come out um, to choose future shows. Um, uh, and all- and we will say September is going to be our biggest month. Uh, sure. Yeah. 
biggest month in terms of shows. So like yes. there's still a, there's still a little bit of August left. Totally understand if you guys want to hold on, wait till the new billing period starts in September and hop on. But I got to tell you, and I feel like I've said this at least twice now, if there was a month to sign up, September is the month. Mm-hmm. Um so far because like not only are you getting, you know, 3 months worth of what we've already done, so that's like uh, nine proper substantially long Patreon exclusive podcasts plus preview clips uh, of the, the free shows before they're posted plus any other bits and bobs that we've done plus the sheet blah 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 but the plan we have for September is you know on top of those shows to do a couple of little extra special things mm-hmm. and we will we'll say it will begin be beginning right at the start of September yes um, and we, I, I think maybe next weekend we'll, uh, you know, the the end of the month, follow us up at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter. Um, and over the last couple of days of August, we'll kind of let you guys know. Mm-hmm. We usually post the um, the Patreon schedule for the month um, as we have it planned. Sometimes best laid plans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, we will give the rough dates as to when everything is coming out right at mm-hmm. the end of August, so you can see what you'll miss out on. If you don't subscribe. Um, and of course, that's patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod. Hey. While we're in um, sponsorship corner, I think before we start off on this episode of Thunder, let's hear a word from this show's sponsors. That's right, Days of Thunder listeners. It's that time again. If you have an appetite like the corn-fed meathead Skip Sheffield, you're going to want to listen into this because we got to talk about our friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Choose from 55-plus weekly options featuring pre-portioned, high-quality ingredients picked at peak ripeness. HelloFresh delivers fresh, quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week, so you can savour summer flavours right from home. Select meals from the Taste of Summer series that are sure to become everyone's new favourites, like the Old Bay Shrimp and Sausage Boil and family-style grilled steak lettuce wraps. Holy hell. To avail of the offer that's being made to you, the Days of Thunder listener, all you gotta do is go to hellofresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals across 7 boxes and 3 free gifts. One more time, that's hellofresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 at checkout to avail of that offer. And if that doesn't sate your appetite, I just don't know what will. It's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Back to the show. This is Thunder, episode 58, the second half of a double shot in Richmond, Virginia. This show released 7th of April, 1999, the rare Wednesday edition of Thunder. Um, As there was some, I I missed what sport, but there was a sports Uh, game on on Thursday. uh, Sports game. (laughs) Sports game. game. Was it baseball? I I believe it was the Braves, yes. Ted's other main love. Um, Yeah, so... So baseball was on the Thursday, so they moved, which would explain the fact that this dipped to a 2.0 rating. That's fucking... Down from the threes uh, on Thursdays. It's a big dip. Um, I I want to just mention that April 7th, 1999 would have been my brother's 18th birthday. 
Hey. I have no uh, recollection of what we did, but... <laughs> did you watch Thunder? I wouldn't imagine so, unless I was watching on DSF. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, two things, I think, stylistic notes that uh, I, I picked up at the very start of this show. So <laughs> I wonder what they could be. <laughs> so the first is that now on Thunder, our flashbacks to Nitro or previous shows are letterboxed in like this jagged metal picture frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know how I feel about that. No, don't love it. Um, but the other thing I've noticed, the new WCW logo is here. Yes, it is. Yeah. So this would be the one that I think uh, many dying days of WCW fans would notice, uh, would recognize the, with the big swoopy C in the middle. Um, the, the squashed fly effect. Yes. yes. Um, do we know how quickly Nitro switches to um, that set? It's Oh, it's did, that week, that Monday, the Monday. Yeah, just after, gone. Yeah, the Monday before this, this episode. Yeah. So the, where the logo opens in the yes. middle. Well, like, re- remember DDP and Hulk Hogan destroyed the set. Yes, that's right. Yes, uh, yeah, we talked about that on Nights yes. of Nitro. That was like the setup, uh, the 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 payoff. Then, yes. yeah, on, on this Nitro. What did you think? Well, so we've never really talked about the the evolution of the WCW logos. Um, what were your what are your thoughts on on this era of WCW logo and I suppose then as uh, big wrestling set nerds what did you think of the switch to the big WCW set So I'm actually in the minority in that I actually don't mind the new logo Yeah yeah I I it's funny because and it's probably because when I first got in this is the logo where, I, whereas uh, when you had then seen the big purple early 90s WCW logo, you were probably like, yeah, that's very dated. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a product of its time. Yes. And see, that's what I think gets kind of lost. Like, I know at the time people hated it, but that's because wrestling fans fear change. Um, yeah. I thought this logo was very, again, of its time. And, you know, WWF had just changed to the Scratch logo not too long before this, what, a year maybe previous? Yeah. So WCW with its big blocky early nineties, it did feel out of time. And it, it, by being the ones that went a year after WWF and not the other way around, yes. it's hard. It's hard not to look like you're chasing something. Mm-hmm. You like that's that's the one thing I will say. It looks like very much we are the second best. But like we we mentioned this when we start covering Thunder, like the Thunder set was. Like, it was perfect for late 90s. It's that kind of industrial nightclub look that they went for. Like, the silvers and the blues and the greys. Mm. And I feel like the kind of metallic, kind of futuristic look was right. I mean, they're right in the right time period. Like, mid-99, coming into the 2000s. That, that was all yeah. in fashion. Yeah. I, I definitely like the logo more than I necessarily like the set. I love that the set kind of parts in yes. the middle. Yeah, that was going to be my big... I don't necessarily love that the entire set is just the logo. Mm. But that said, also, I do love it more than New Blood era Nitro set where it's just like white tarpaulin and a, like John, a big, yeah, a t- a t- a big, it is like a big TV yeah. on a stand. Like, um, at least it's more effort than that. Um, 
And look, it's another opportunity for us to bemoan that I dearly miss the times of special sets. Yes. Um, it made everything feel like more of an occasion. Yeah, and and look, they had like Nitro was four years old at this stage. Yeah, it was due a revamp. Absolutely, I wouldn't argue that for a second. But I look, I look at it, I look at Nitro. You know, even though people have their their problems with that Nitro set, I would say I would take that over pretty much any of the 2022 sets. Like mm-hmm. the AEW one is pretty good with the tunnels and stuff. But, like, even, like the I, Raw I, set, the SmackDown I say, set. even the AEW set now is getting, it's getting long in the tooth. Yeah, I think the only real, the only real upgrade they did to it was when they got, like, the, the they kind of, they moved the chandelier up permanently, mm-hmm. you know, after they were kind of, it was just a Cody's entrance thing. Yeah. Um, so that's really the only upgrade to it. And I don't think, I think that's more, that's a set that needs evolution yes. rather than revolution. R- r- rather than tearing it apart, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool when, like, uh, for certain buildings for a while, they were doing the ramp that comes up all the way to the level of the ring. Mm-hmm. I think that felt, like, a bit different. I just goes to show that, like, the little things make, you know, go a long way. Absolutely. And there's, and you know what, they're still, they don't go the whole hog. But I feel like when they have special shows, they do a bit of effort to change it a little bit. Yeah. Like the the set at Grand Slam um, last year was a bit different. The When they do when they these kind of... Daily's Place, they always have that special setup that they have there. Yeah, they do, you know, a couple of themed shows um, where they, they make a bit of effort. Obviously, the show on the Jericho Cruise was completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really want is the feeling that it's not just this kind of white, whitewashed, anodyne everywhere could just be in generic yes. building yeah, anywhere yeah. in the US. Like, make use of the building, make use of the creativity mm-hmm. of the people you're already paying to put up your sets. Yes. Um. Yeah, it doesn't need to be the big backlash swinging sides or King of the Ring giant electric chair and panes of glass set every week. But like just every so often fucking do something. Do something. Yeah. Give give us yeah. something to talk about. Yeah. Um so we, we see in the flashback, uh just to, to wind us back a little bit, we see Nash going after Goldberg uh in the main event on Nitro, but as he's doing it, Sting comes down um to rescue Goldberg, it would seem, uh as everybody else bails. It's a very very misleading intro, I must say. Yeah. When you actually it, it, see what actually happens later on in the show. Yeah, and I think maybe, do you think maybe that's partly because Sting this is... Sting didn't actually tell you while he was on but, his yeah. <laughs> But also, this 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 Thunder is pre-taped, yes. so it happens before Sting actually arrived mm-hmm. in real life. So they weren't going to put Sting out there on this show. Like, one of the things about that clip from Nitro, which they show twice. Yes. They show a longer version of it later on. Um, the thing is, you kind of expect some substantial follow up in the ring or even in a backstage segment on the show, and you just don't get it. You just mm-hmm. get the same segment again, which is kind of disappointing. 
Um, like I'm not saying you need to do an interview at Sting backstage, but like you could do some. You could have oh here's an interview that after Nitro went off yeah, the I air where yeah. Scott Hudson found Nash running for his limo or or something like that. But we didn't even get that, you know. Um, another substantial change on the show becomes apparent within a couple of seconds of the pyro and Ballyhoo, and that is we have had we have our our second uh, in the history of this show substantial change up to the commentary team on thunder and boy howdy after the last few weeks like we have been like my assumption was um that tony shivani and bobby heenan had actually killed each other after the last couple of weeks (laughs) and these were the surviving uh commentators but um talk about a team that is both an upgrade and a downgrade in one swoop um on the lead, uh, play-by-play, is Mike Tenay, which I think, excellent. Mm. Uh, we've talked about how much we love Mike Tenay before. And I think you can already start to hear the weariness in Tony's voice the last few months. And replacing him with Tenay, somebody who, even on these B-shows, shows a genuine enthusiasm and has a lot of information about the guys who are wrestling, I think is a really good call. But joining him on Colour Commentary is someone that you were glad we were shot of early doors and only get to see half of on these nitros, and that's Larry Zbysko. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Anthony, I he's so, like, he's not Tony. He's he's so not Tony that he's, yeah. it's almost a shock to the system. Yeah. But then, the more you listen to him, I don't want them to be Tony. I want them to be Tanay. No, yeah. And it is that kind of, it's, it's, it's a shock to the system, but it's like, okay, no, th- this actually works. This this can work. It it yeah. makes it feel totally different to Nitro. Yeah, it, it it feels like if it wasn't for the fact that a lot of what happens uh, on the show, uh, bell to bell is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the the presentation of the show feels like a reset thunder. Yes. Now, I personally would have held off a week until after the pay-per-view to do all these stylistic resets, but whatever. Yeah, that would that was going to be my big thing of why not wait until you have a live Thunder or a first-run Thunder, not a fucking second yeah. part of a taping. Um, yeah. But anyway, that look, WCW will always do it their own way. Um, yeah. Is it Zab- WCW going to WCW? Zabisco, I mean, when we started the show, we were both like, oh, fucking Larry was like a breath of fresh air on the show. Yeah, and we were very yeah, well. He was he was the most over character in the first two months on Thunder. Yeah, it was fucking unbelievable. But then by the time he was actually starting to, our uh, brain had started to replace him on Thunder. We mm. were glad for him to be gone. Um, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but Larry Zabisco plays golf. Yes, and all he does is talk about playing golf. Mm. Now. I don't think this is the most objectionable I have found him. I think there are other weeks where other nights of Nitro where I have found him considerably more grating. Mm. But it's not good. I mean, I don't know if this started as a bit and he's now yeah. worked himself into a shoot with the bit. But it I found him like maybe I was just hoping for more from for today, not from today, but for today, like to for this to be a big reboot and for him to like really have his own show, but like ugh, Larry just fucking cuts him down constantly on this. 
cutting across yeah. the wrestlers, cutting across Tanay. He has no interest in what's going on in the ring. It 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 was bad for me, like really, really bad. Yeah. Um. It it it's like I said. It, it feels like you know the good Lord give it and the good Lord take it away. It very much feels like because of the position Tanay has been in and the position he's in now, he's being promoted and deservedly so. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Larry is being relegated because of how bad he is to the show that less people watch. Yeah. Um. Now, that said, you know, if it's a thing where, like, Heenan wasn't going to do Thunder again, I don't know who else the fuck you get. Um, oh, you're not putting I, Dusty I, on the show, that's for sure. You're not putting Dusty on the show. Um. Thankfully, we have a blissful few months yet before anybody has the bright idea to put Mark Madden on commentary. Um... Like I said, you put Scott Hudson on, then you're you've got the optics of this being WCW Saturday night. Yeah, it's too analytic because, then as well. It's not enough character. Yeah. Um, you, God, who else is even around? You know. Um, so like, to some extent, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay. There's there's basically no one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if this is modern times, what you may have ended up with was just like a rotating second. I'd like I'd love today to do a PWG rules where it's like somebody whoever's, different whoever's all the working, time is yeah. coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there are some like unfortunately not the people they would choose to do commentary later in the run of this company, but there are definitely some people in the company who could benefit from like a match or two on, on commentary to get themselves or their story over. Like I would totally deal with like Raven on commentary, Jericho on commentary, um, you know, keep at least two of the horsemen as far away as possible from commentary. Mm-hmm. But Arn on commentary would be sensational. Uh, um, I imagine. Well, no, well as a, for one match where he's there to tell a story about what the horsemen are doing. Not as not an actual sustained run. Girl. No, no. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, like just trying to think of the whole roster. I don't think there's anyone that you would say could do it permanently. Maybe Conan if you wanted, but I don't think he would have been in the mindset of putting other people over at this stage in his life. Do you know what? Actually, I think fi- if this was five years later, they probably would have picked Conan. Yeah. Because it was like the early to mid 2000s where wrestling becomes obsessed with trying to capture the Latino mm-hmm. market. Um, and yeah, they probably would have made him like him or some somebody else like a prominent a face visible of member. Show, of, yeah. yeah, because Lord knows five years from now, you wouldn't have him as a prominent wrestler. Mm. Sorry, TNA. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Like I said, I don't. I, I'm not as down on this particular Larry appearance as, as you seem to be because I I remember worse, and I'm kind of like at the stage where I'm more enjoying the novelty of Tanay than hating the presence yeah, of Larry. No, that's fair. Um. So we we get pretty much straight into it, which gave me hope. Um. For this new iteration of Thunder. Um. I I really I think. As we'll get into, Lee, I think some of this card, I looked at it and I was like, this could be a very enjoyable Thunder if everything is given time. Unfortunately, there there was that caveat, if everything is given mm-hmm. time and not a lot of things were. Yeah. Um, it's, so we... Uh, oh, go on, yes, sorry, I was just going to like, I, I fully... Like, I don't think I'm as down on the show as you are. I actually quite enjoyed the show for what it was. Look, it was fine. 
But I yeah. do agree. I think if everything was kind of given a little bit more room to breathe, it would have been a lot better. Yeah. Um, our opening contest, um, and this was like, this very much intrigued me when I was copying over my notes. Um, World Cruiserweight title match, Rey Mysterio versus Evan Courageous. Um, and, you know, straight away, I was sounding the Jinkos klaxon for uh, Evan Courageous coming out. Uh, but I, I actually thought he was going to wrestle in them, but, like, the camera cuts to Ray during his entrance, cuts back, and he's stripped down to his, his jocks and his, his knee pads. His outrageous, uh, outrageous Evan Courageous attire. Yeah. Um, I suppose, like, he's definitely very green at this stage, but uh, as, like, Tanae points out on commentary, like, he's less than two years in, I think he said. Mm-hmm. Um... How are you with Evan Courageous over over like his period? Because I very much like shtick aside. Um, we've talked before, and I, I don't think it'll come as a surprise to a lot of people who watch WCW that three count um, were actually having some of the better matches. He's on on these dying days shows. He's probably my least favorite member of that grouping. You know that kind yeah. of later cruiserweight grouping. Yeah, is the least naturally talented wrestler. Yes, um, but I also understand he probably had more charisma in his fucking yeah. left hand than Shannon Moore had in his whole entire yeah. career. Yeah, and even though he was maybe the least talented wrestler, he's probably the most athletically mm. gifted. Do you know what I mean? Like the man for a start, the man looks like he's fucking cut from marble. Yes. Like it's sickening. Do you know what I mean? And it it would only get more pronounced over time. Over time yeah, yeah. yeah the, um, the, the the definition. Jacked baby. What was courageous a an Omega kid? Uh I don't I'm know. Not, yeah, but, it's something I kind of just thought of there, but like, I'm I'm trying to remember, like, was he part of that crew? I don't think he was. Um I, I will have a look, but he's um What what did you think of his uh hairstyle, his white boy white boy braids? Oh no, I didn't care for them. And the worst part is that, like, he pretty much keeps that for his his whole run. Mm-hmm. Um, so it only gets less cool as time goes on. So no, he's a power plant graduate. Okay, he was power plant. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was making sporadic uh, appearances as early as 1997. Wow. So he was literally the- a rookie on yeah. WCW. As the outrageous, courageous. And I think a very early episode, we kind of listed out some of the quote-unquote graduates of the power plant. So um, the fact that he even got as good <laughs> as he did is um, is a bit of a shock, really. Um, he was... Uh, oh, he was one of the, the people they picked off the roster to do the voice and body scan images to um, to do for the video games. Oh, okay. Um, he oh here you go. Um, uh, an Evan Courageous fact. Are you ready for it? Go for. It. Um, he was a 1996 spokesmodel for Calvin Klein, and the U.S. Olympic Committee, and in 1995 he was a recurring guest star on All My Children. Very random. Yeah. So there you go. Um, he has. He was he played a wrestler on soap opera Passions after he after he left the the Fed, um, and he has been in smaller independent films such as Crazy Eyes, Shotgun Kiss, and Metal Gear. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Okay. 
Oh, we may have like a, a courageous at the movie oh, special. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not more wrestlers in the movies. You could probably see that coming as soon as I said that. <laughs> I was worried where this was going. Hmm. Um, I think because he's so green here versus, you know, Tanae talks about the, the experience differential between the two. I, he had a great stat here. This is what I love Tanae for is the little stats. Is that Courageous is one year older than Rey Mysterio. But what, how many is it? Um, he said that Rey had like eight more years experience on him yeah. at this stage. Because like he had been a literal child when he started wrestling. Um so that that was cool um i thought like in terms of the actual quality of the match lee it wasn't great it was ray doing some cool stuff but mostly you can see it's him training another cruiserweight yeah in the ring i thought ray was very good like on top of his game at this point um he was exactly where he needed to be for courageous to look good i thought like i thought courageous did look good but when you actually yeah. look at the match itself, it's very much yeah. Ray doing all the work. Um, yeah. Surface level, it looks like a reasonably competitive match. Yes, but when you look deeper, you you see there's one man that's really doing doing the legwork here. Yeah, um, he, he and he's not. It's not like he's wrestling a broom by any stretch. Like Courageous is doing some stuff, and he's given a chance to do stuff. But it's there. There's definite like the difference in class yeah. is is. Very visible. Um, what what talking point I want to bring up, and we haven't really talked about it since it's happened. Um, since Rey Mysterio has lost his mask, I feel like he's actually been booked very well. Yeah, I mean, there was there was actually one of the points I had um, in my mind was, God, there, there's something great about seeing like beloved Rey Mysterio coming out with fucking two belts. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and rightfully so. Like, again, I, I, I don't harbor any belief that there was a world in which he would be pushed as a world champion uh, in WCW. But... No, not, not, yeah. not with the people in the upper card as it was then. Yeah. Like, he, he needed that environment of Eddie and mm. Benoit and people like that coming before him, Jericho. Yeah. And people saying, yeah. no, like, this, this guy is one of the best in the world. We need to elevate him. Yeah, I, I think it kind of, it comes back to what we had said in the immediacy after he lost his mask, which is, I would never in a million years book that guy to lose his mask. Mm-hmm. But, like, on the balance of things, they could have done it. Like, I could easily have seen WCW just taking his mask and immediately forgetting about him. Mm-hmm. Um, But they have done... Given the fact that they had decided to remove his mask, they did very well thereafter. Yeah, no, I, um, look, I have to give them credit. Like he lost the mask to Nash on the pay per view. He then yeah. pinned Nash. He then went back yeah. and established like they they repeatedly told you this guy is the king of the cruiserweight division. Yeah, and and they didn't do. You kind of would have expected Booker Man Nash would be like, I'm going to get my win back and squash this mm-hmm. fucker. But he didn't. No, he didn't. Like, Ray got his win over Nash, then went and won the Cruiserweight title because he's absolutely the best Cruiserweight. And they kept going with the story of Ray is, is saying that, like, any Cruiserweight can beat any heavyweight. So, like, he may be Cruiserweight mm. champion, but he's still a threat to any heavyweight on the on the roster. And then, of course, 
himself and Kidman, the two top cruiserweights, become tag champs. Now I know there's extenuating circumstances behind all that, but I mean they've been tag champs now for two weeks. Like they're mixing it up, mixing it up with the two best tag teams in the company at the moment. Like yeah. you have to say, like it's all been kind of very well done. I think. Yeah. No, I I, I definitely would agree, and. You know, what you've got in here is even though he gives Courageous a bit, you are left in no doubt as to who mm-hmm. the champion is, who the star is by the end of this match. Um, so uh, one thing I, I like that you wouldn't see that much from Courageous later in his career is an opportunity for him to play the kind of bigger man mm-hmm. and be able to kind of, um, you know, rough up the smaller dude because he's kind of in that cruiserweight or tag team bracket his whole run. But um, most, like, a lot of cruiserweights would still be physically bigger than him. Um, and Ray is just, like, the best ever at that. Yeah. The smaller man fighting from underneath. Um, Courageous looks to go for a finish at the end of the match, does a front slam, goes up top. Uh, Ray kind of, like, lurches from the ground, swings out an arm in desperation, crotches him, Frankensteiner, and uh, three count. Um, so yeah nothing spectacular but did the job I'm sure in those five minutes or so Evan Courage has learned more than the power plant ever taught him Um, we get a flashback to the whole Goldberg and Brett deal from Nitro two weeks ago Mm -hmm. Um, you know we've said all we were we we really can say about that angle um, on the Knights of Nitro episode go back and listen to that if you haven't already we then also get um, and this was a bit of news uh, since the last time we checked in with WCW uh, it is confirmed Goldberg versus Nash is happening again at Spring Stampede um, and they're hyping it up with a, a video package here how did you feel they did about building up this match because with this video package I thought they did an okay job but I think later on they, they did hammer it home pretty well yeah, like the, this. This was the kind of just the kind of highlighty Goldberg Nash, you know, the kind of flashing images of each other, wasn't it? And then later on is where they do this segment from Nitro. Yeah, yeah. So I thought overall they they kind of put over the match very well. Like it is pretty much a co-main event on the show. Um. So yeah, look, look it it's a little bit rushed for me, but yeah. it's fine. It feels like it should have had the world title in the mix as well, um, still. But hey-ho. Um, next up, we have the show, in terms of quality in the ring, grinding to a fucking halt as it's Wrath versus Damien. Oh, sorry, as I yawn, this match yeah. fucking sucked. Um, I did get a chuckle, but I suppose in kayfabe it does make sense. Uh, Tanae at the start of this match moaning about how the WCW Championship Committee hasn't Rath. given, yeah. they haven't given Wrath a fair shot. Where like, thank God in terms of like his actual quality in the ring at this time. Well, uh, particularly since that big injury. Well, that's because the Booker Man was the one that ended Wrath's streak. Indeed, um, but like as well, this is a guy who his streak has ended. But if you were doing, like, you know, real sports build, in terms of, like, win-loss, he absolutely should have had a world title match yes. at this stage. But it's really funny that, you know, it's not as wacky as it would get, but that in 1999 WCW, Tanae is the sole man that's acting like wins and losses matter in this company. Yeah. <laughs> God bless him flying that flag. Um, there was... Uh, did you feel that 
like with the best will in the world, I don't think he was trying to do it. But did you feel that in trying to inform folks about Damien, Tanay ended up burying him on commentary throughout this match? Where he mostly worked hardcore style matches in Japan and Mexico and hasn't really got going in WCW. <laughs> yeah, just three or four times it's just like, he just doesn't get it here in WCW. Yeah. He just hasn't figured it out. Like, very much saying that, you know, this is either a Damien problem or a WCW problem, where it's like, God, oh, this guy was a big star in Mexico and Japan, but over here, like, you just can't get going. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, like, I'd say maybe if he, you know, when they start, like, a proper... Hardcore division. I say proper. When they, like, he would probably be more at home in there, but I do agree that, like... He was definitely, and Tanay basically says it, like he was kind of done a disservice because he's mixing it up in the cruiserweight division. And that's and he, not who this no, guy is at that's all. That's not what he was at all. He's a hardcore brawler. Yeah. And like, you remember how many times we were talking about segments of cruiserweights or the LWO and it's like, oh, here's all these cool flippy dudes we'd love to see more. And Damien is also here. Like, I can't think of anybody from that crop of... um luchadors that i would like to see less in a cruiserweight division match and it also felt like really he was sent out to die in this match because yeah. it's like, it's not it'd, it'd be one thing if today was like oh he hasn't found his niche yet and then he ends up getting a surprise win or puts on a really battling performance it's like hey damien's got direction now it's like no he comes out today is talking about how you know he doesn't really fit in this company and he gets fucking killed to bits yeah and like it like, if they put a smaller cruiserweight in there with Rat for rats to kind of throw around and look impressive, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah. Damien's not a small dude, and he really no. doesn't bump, like, spectacularly. No. And the other thing as well is, you know, three hours into watching Thunders, um, this crowd fucking hated this match. A yeah. uh, bunch of people dressed as chairs on the hard cam, um, as well as just no reactions to anything. Like, you can just hear... People are just fucking talking. Like, it's just that... It's that buzz of people talking, but not in an interested way. Um, If people had phones, they would have been looking at their phones. Did you um, happen to catch Larry Zbysko thoroughly exposing the business in this match? I did not, but go on. Tell me how. Okay, so they uh, are talking about the baseball... They are talking about how, you know, there was a game on last night. Thunder will be back at its normal slot next week. But they're also hyping up. Um, There is a big uh, show going on for the 25th anniversary of Hank Aaron hitting his record-setting home run. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're talking about Hank Aaron. um, And Larry mentions, because, you know, Larry is always one to talk about how he's best friends with all the famous people. You know, him and Jackie Chan go way back mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and he says that, you know what? I've met Hank Aaron a number of times here in Atlanta. Oh, my God. When he is supposed to be in the building in, in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. Oh, Larry. So that is the last, like, you know, t- uh, Tony has come very close. We've read between the lines a couple of times where you could tell Tony and the gang aren't there for the taped one. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the truly, like, you cannot mistake, like, that Larry was in Atlanta saying this and didn't cop that he was supposed to be Enriched. working yeah. himself. Yeah. Um, 
the other thing about the commentary in this match, I think this was like, even though the match was bad, I suppose at least it gave me a chance to listen in to today a bit better. And today just seems happier in this it role. seems freer, yeah. Yeah. And um, without the two lads shitting on him, without having to kind of like just be the, hey, we're coming to you for a nerdy stat and then we're not going to talk to you for five minutes guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like some people might be as the lead announcer, a lead announcer on one of the big shows in a company. They might like take a while to get used to it, but he just feels yeah, no, just slotted like right an actual, in, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, the, Rath does a submission move that Tanae reveals Larry gave a name to called the web. Which looks like shit. It's just like he's kind of like stretching him and he's got a bit of a chin lock in or around the turnbuckle. Mm. Didn't look good, Lee. Yeah. No, no, nothing in this match really looks no, good no, until no, the very end. Really, until the meltdown, nothing actually looked impactful in this match. Pretty much the only moves Damien gets in in a match that was too long, uh, entirely too long, is he gets a couple of kicks in when um, Rath is trying to do a corner charge and he scores a couple of near falls off roll-ups. And Lee, I have never seen less of a fuck be given for near flash pins in my life. Nobody cares. Like, it's unfortunate. It's not not even that they don't care. I don't think they noticed. Again, this is a case of people would have been looking at their phones. So obviously they're too busy having conversations at this point. Yeah. That actually watched I, the I, ring. Like I would literally believe they were looking at the floor <laughs> rather than look in the ring at this. Um he gets a little bit of a comeback, like I said, with the, the you know, the kicks and stuff like that. Um but then death penalty and one of the most emphatic meltdowns I've ever seen. Yeah. It's a it he is a planted love. the cunt. I do love it. Uh, pump out the yeah. power sound. Yeah. It's good shit, um, but it was not a good match. Um, Next up, Gene in the ring with Conan. He is set to wrestle Disco Inferno this Sunday, which should be an absolute classic, eh? (laughs) I'm saving all my thoughts on this matchup for when we get to the pay-per-view. Yeah, um... Something I noticed during this segment, the sound mix between the commentary and the music the entrance music is fucking terrible. Awful. Awful. Which is especially bad considering they recorded the commentary on a separate track on a different day. Yep. It's not like it's a live mix where some of the music is coming in through their mics. They are in a studio in Atlanta. They, Thanks, Larry. They could have fixed it. <laughs> they just chose not they, to. They had a whole week. Yeah. A whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't think, look, I'm not a sound engineer, but I don't imagine it's the hardest thing in the world to fix given the the circumstances and given how much fucking money this company has. I'm going to guess if you actually had a producer there producing the commentary, they would have mixed it properly. Yeah. It would be interesting. Maybe that's something we should keep track of. like Because the sound mix sometimes is horseshit. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, is there a trend of it happening more on these tape shows where like clearly no one gives no a shit? No one's paying attention, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they talk about how Disco has been making fun of his music videos, so the Disco parody of the Conan music video has come out. Um, maybe we should watch it for the pay-per-view if they don't show it on the pay-per-view, but I, I think they might, they so do I want to wait. They show on the pay-per-view. I, okay. I have... <sighs> so many memories of watching that uh, music video. 
So I haven't seen it in many, many years. So I w- I'm going to wait uh, until the pay-per-view. Now, it might uh, not be on the network. That's the only thing. Actually, I was, th- I was thinking about this. So WWE refused to play DDP's song, Raven's song, Jericho's song, because they're sound-alikes. All, you know, Jimmy Hart's originals in inverted practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we get full Conan tracks. Yeah. Untouched. Which is funny because of like the relationship that company has with Conan. Yes. Where he has been persona non grata there since For the what, early early to mid nineties. Yeah. yeah. He um, is one of the people like you know the way they always used to say is like Vince would do business with anybody he, he kicked out or barred from the place. Like he did business again with Warrior, he did business again with Double J. Now that Vince is gone, the one is probably Conan. Yeah. He was never back. No. I mean, Vince, Vince could never forgive him for throwing down Max Moon. I know. Well, who could? Who could? Um. So, I uh, one thing I like that I, I'm honestly not sure was intentional. Um, He's talking about how he's going to beat up Disco, and he keeps referring to the pay-per-view as Spring Stompede. Stompede, yeah. That's my one big takeaway from this interview. He kept calling it Spring Stompede. Um, it's like Norman Smiley. Yeah. Um, Hoovy and La Cucaracha come out and well, I okay so I hate the La Cucaracha thing it is definitely racist I don't know Dave what makes well we don't that? know who it is we don't know who it you, is you cannot prove that that is not a, a Latino man yes I mask. can't but what I love about this smartest man in the room Conan from second one is having none of this bullshit and just keeps going that's disco yeah, I mean, then Gene, <laughs> Gene joins in, cutting across Hoovy multiple times, going, I can hear his New York accent. Yeah. Um, and, like, this wasn't the worst, like, it, it wasn't Gene trying to stir fights, no. which I, we, we really hated. But Gene did keep interrupting Hoovy, whose English is at best shaky, and I thought that wasn't helpful at all. I mean, I don't know if having the... Mexican guy with shaky English translate for the American guy who's pretending to be Mexican was yeah. really the best idea. There is a tremendous line from Conan about that in a second, but I'll get to it. Um, for the first, he goes, because um, he's wearing a Mil Mascaris mask, and he, Conan says the M on his mask is appropriate because he's a punk Mark Buster, which I enjoyed. Um, and this is this is maybe the cleverest line I've heard in weeks in WCW. He goes... Hoovy's English, this is uh, this is Conan saying this, Hoovy's English is worse than Disco's Spanish, which is even worse than Disco's wrestling. <laughs> and the best, the best then is, you can hear Gene slightly off mic going, I agree. <laughs> Absolute. Deep beneath the earth burial. That was tremendous. Um, Conan, Conan says, translate this, and does his RLA, grabs his crotch, uh, breaks down into a bit of a brawl, and the heels bail. Um, oh, I I gotta say as well, um, Gene instantly teleported out of the ring. Oh, I've never there, yeah. seen that man move quicker. Um, well, maybe if there was an open bar. So I thought this was not a great segment. No. I, I thought Hoovy was bad, Gene was bad, Disco was bad. But I thought Conan was great. Uh, I wouldn't say great, but he was 
the best of a bad bunch. How about he, that? He g- yeah, all right. Um, I think he got his point across. He's going to beat the shit out of Disco. He got his point across that he's not being fooled by them. Um, he got the last laugh. Um, he was more over than anybody on this show to that point, which is not really a high bar. Um, I, 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 he- I still think Ray was more over. Maybe, maybe. But um, also, but Ray, Ray, Ray enters to Conan's music, so... Yes. Uh, I, I thought, so like... He and Ray are the we'll put it this way. He and Ray are the only two people on this show so far who came off like a star or a big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, I I do like that Conan keeps referring to himself as and Ray as a team now. Yeah, yeah, they're pals. Um, and unfortunately now he's wrestling Disco, and even more unfortunately for him, he will pretty much remain in Disco's orbit for almost the entire rest of this company's run because nothing changes from here on out. No. Um. Yeah, we hope you like WCW now and the people that people are feuding with now because it doesn't change that much anymore ever. <laughs> um. God, I despair even thinking of that. Uh, we get a recap of the Nash and Goldberg confrontation from Nitro. I thought Goldberg looked terrible. Yes. In this segment. Oh God, why are you sending Goldberg out there to do a tumbler draw for his next opponent? Yeah, oh, but even God. just his lines felt so stilted and and shit like that. I mean, um, w- once again, it's the Booker man across from him who's probably told him what to say. Yeah, when he should just like either say fuck all yes. or like just literally nothing. All Nash had to do was come just, out and challenge Goldberg. It's uh, anyway challenge Goldberg, have Goldberg mean mug him, and then end the segment with him spearing Nash. Yeah, he doesn't have to say a word. Mm-hmm. Except, like, you're next. He can do your next. I'll let him do that. He can do your next pretty good. <laughs> um, Maybe Goldberg yeah. should have insulted the son. Just, re- just really, really poor uh, from him. And, and again, one of the... Like, there is some stuff that we can go, right, fair play. Either You can either go, Nash has booked this well, or you can go, well, Nash hasn't fucked this up. Um, but this is one of the things where, like, he has made their most bankable asset uh, if handled right he looks lost yeah he lo- he looks lost he looks yeah well this, this is Nash and very much look I'll do jobs mode yeah um, next up we've got Hardcore Hack versus Mikey Whipwreck um, they finally during this match Lee explain why Mikey Whipwreck has been completely absent since the pay-per-view and that was he got injured and yes. this is his first match back sounded like a sore um, injury as well he injured his heel yeah, uh, this was a severely bruised heel, he said. Um, they do a Saturday night plug in the middle of the entrances here, so we may be at the end of Saturday night getting its own little vignette, unfortunately. Um, but we do hear that the first members of the first family, Barb and Meng, will be there. We've got a, a Steiner versus Finley rematch as well. Um, look, I'm going to say this now. With all the love in my heart I have for what an endearing character Mikey Whipwreck was in ECW. His wardrobe is a crime. Yeah, he doesn't fit in 1999 WCW. It worked so much for him in ECW Mm -hmm. and what that character was and everything. And like I was trying to find a way to word my critique of this because you and I do appreciate 
when you know these wrestlers come into companies and they don't completely ignore where they've been before. Like we loved the references to Beulah in the Raven, oh, promo, yeah, yeah, yeah. for example. Right? Um, but this is one where they should have used this opportunity. To, like I'm not saying the guy needs to come out in a fucking singlet. No, but what I, what I do know, I, I know where you're going is if he had just lost the t-shirt. Yeah, or had a less fucking garish t-shirt. Yeah, maybe. You know? Or if he didn't look like he was covered uh, shoulders to feet in knee pads. Well, that was but the one I was going to bring up was the knee pads on the boots. Yeah. So he has the little shitty wrestler boots. Yeah. And then he has knee pads over them. Hmm. Which I didn't understand. Um, The match, not up to much. Running theme of the show. Um, Mikey hit some nice arm drags at the start. Um... Hack, right? Hack fucked himself up twice in this match. To the surprise of absolutely no one. The first one is they do a side Russian leg sweep spot where Mikey gives him the side Russian into leg the guardrail. Into the guardrail and Hack takes a full on header back of the head right into the metal, which looked like mm-hmm. it fucking sucked. Uh, second only to Hack does the kind of dangling hangman's leg drop on the uh, onto Mikey on the fence and if you told me Hack blew out his quad in this match that, or his hamstring that been I spot. would not have been yeah. surprised because he is limping after this and then he does it again in the ring where he's da- where Mikey is dangling on the on the ropes and it looked like it genuinely hurt him to do it. And then he did another slingshot leg drop on a chair. Yep. Um, I think it's hard to say Hack ran, ran out of moves to perform. Um, yeah. I will say for two people that know each other had wrestled multiple times before. Yeah. They had very little chemistry in this match. Very little chemistry. And really all they had to do was do a garbage brawl. And like at the end they do like a few weapon spots which get the crowd going a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and if they had stuck with that for the whole thing instead of like just spamming the same couple of moves. Because as well, the, the Russian leg sweep is done three or four times in this match, which is weird because it's like it's Hack's finish. And the first person who does it is Mikey. Yep. You know, it's 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 very odd the the way this match was put together. Um, so the as I said, the chair is in the ring. Uh, Hack calls Chastity to throw the kendo stick in, but as it's being thrown in, uh, and I did like this bit. This is probably the smartest bit of the match. And Mikey's on the floor, and as he sees the thing fly in, he grabs the chair with his hand and he rams the top of the chair into Hack's knee, um, and he sells it. And then he grabs the kendo yeah. stick and proper fucking cracks him a couple of times um hack ducks um grabs the kendo stick russian leg sweep with it um i thought the like i was just gonna say the the finish was the most impressive part Um, and the finish the finish was like if the if like if the momentum of the finish could have been dragged out of the entire match i would have loved this shit yeah like the the, finish was really clever the the two or the two cane shots to the head he goes for the third and like in a pretty fluid motion, Hack ducks, grabs the kendo stick, and uses it in his, what I think he'd go on to call the white Russian leg sweep. Yeah. Um, and it had a bit of snap to it as well. It wasn't just a, yeah. you know, like a little kind of Russian leg sweep. It was a proper snap to the way he did it. Um, yeah. So that was impressive. 
very enjoyable finish. And then, um, let's mark down person number three on this show who came off like a big star. Bam Bam comes out. And he got a big reaction. Mm-hmm. And this is like House of Fire, um, big, tough, sort of, like, sort of baby face. Um, yeah, he, bam, he, bam he's here. kind of slipped into a baby face role now, yeah. Yeah, he comes out swinging wild, lays Sandman out with a greetings from Asbury Park. Threatens to deck Chastity as well. <laughs> threatens to fucking murder Chastity with the kendo stick. Yeah. Because yeah. let me tell you, he fucking um, swings swings that thing, and if she doesn't yeah. move, that's on her. Out in his street clothes as well, we should point out. Yeah. Uh, shirt and jeans. Um, but yeah, I thought, like, they're, so they're setting up, they're, they're talking about how, like, Bam Bam is still aggrieved. They had mentioned at the start of the match that about that, the fire extinguisher at the pay-per-view with Chastity um, felt that, you know, his you know he was going to declare himself as the most hardcore person in the company when he won that match and it was taken from him so you know the feud continues i think that post the finish and the post-match angle were pretty damn good but i think the four or five minutes it took to get there were not great yeah and i mean look ultimately they're building to a match at the pay-per-view so you know they've done well there i think uh, we then did a Scott Steiner promo video. Again, we are big proponents of the 30 to 60 second uh, put over your big stars highlight package. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to, Lee, this is going to become a recurring uh, a recurring bit on our show whenever this man appears for the remainder of the times he appears. I am going to sit back. <laughs> I have written. I have written no notes except for what the finish was. This is the Lee Malone match of the week <laughs> as Super Kolo takes on your main man, Blitzkrieg. And I noted during the entrances, uh, the other note I have written down here is that on the hard cam, there was a young child with the sign. I think it was a young child, maybe a teenager, had a sign saying, I mark for Blitzkrieg. And this is what I'm assuming you were doing on your brother's birthday. <laughs> it's quite possible I was. Um, yeah. Who knew Jack Evans was in Richmond, Virginia? That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, this, first of all, has to be a matchup between the two coolest guys in WCW yeah. at this oh, point. Oh, yes. 100%. I mean, Super Calo, always the freshest looking cruiserweight. Yeah. Are we like, are we probably in 2022 the biggest Super Calo boosters on the earth? Um, Probably, yeah. I mean, look, we say this all the time. Of all the cruiserweights, they could have used way more. Super Colo is the one. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we said... Um, oh, well, Liz, oh, Lizmark Jr. always impresses us. Liz, anytime yeah, Lizmark Liz Jr. and Silver King are the two where we're like, oh, God, I wish they'd show up more. I think but Super Colo, Silver Super King Colo would is some, more of a meme, I think. Yeah. But, Super Colo is the one who's definitely at all these shows that they could have used more. The yeah. other guys, I'm betting, only come in every now and then. Um... Yeah, I mean, Callo, fucking, like, again, I didn't take a ton of notes on this because I just kind of sat back and enjoyed the match it's, what it was. It's one, of those, it, it's one of those that it's actually, because it's Blitzkrieg and because of his style, it's a fucking nightmare to try and type in time with him to call to, to write down spots. And it's funny, like, Blitzkrieg, who, like, I've, I've talked about fucking numerous weeks now at this stage... He does. He, <laughs> talk about it for twenty years, man. <laughs> he's done. He does so many flips and fucking spins and twists, and yet it's Super Kolo who does the most dangerous move in the fucking match. 
he does his yeah. slingshot sent on from the ring to yeah. the outside. Mm-hmm. And he fucking, he lands it and he just no sells it because he's straight back up. He takes the he takes the two scariest bumps because he does that and then um to lead to the the sky twister in the finish um Blitzkrieg just grabs him by the top of the mask and yanks and spins him off the top rope which I can't imagine there's a way to take that where no, it, doesn't it doesn't suck work. a bit now the, right before that where Superclo does a uh, a bridging German suplex and. Let me tell you, fucking Blitzkrieg folded like the proverbial fucking accordion because his toes were touching the top of his fucking head. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like just for me, a cool ass match on what was a really a kind of dead ass crowd at this stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gave them a little something. Again, I'm just... I've said this, as long as Blitzkrieg's around, I'm just going to sit back, appreciate it for what it was. This guy could have been so, like, could have been so much more because he's an American luchador and that's what he is. Yeah. And that's... True and true. Like, at this point in 1999, there was not, you know, an industry of American luchadors. Yeah. Certainly not. Um, and we then get. I was just going to say, sorry, to finish the Sky Twister Press. Yeah, how cool is that in nineteen ninety nine? Oh, it's it's unlike anything you've seen uh, at that time. Again, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people who go back now who can't, uh, you know, have that thought in their head mm. that like this wasn't an everyday thing. Like I think if you're somebody who watches the Independence now and you go back, and it's like, yeah, I see that like fucking a hundred times on name indie show. Um, but like just what a trendsetter for that style he was. Can I make a comparison, right? So yeah. in nineteen ninety four Rey Mysterio came along and fucking amazed the world basically with what he mm-hmm. was capable of doing. Yeah. By nineteen ninety nine there were so many more people, luchadors, fucking Japanese juniors, American indie wrestlers that could do all Rey Mysterio could do and more, but they still yeah. weren't Rey Mysterio. No. In 1995, ECW was doing the most hardcore, violent, unbelievable stuff. Yeah. By 2002, 2003, CCW were using fucking weed whackers and fucking murdering each other with glass and whatever the fuck. Yeah. And, you know, he had Tournament of Death and all these things and Nick Cage actually dying in the field. Yeah. But still, CZW was never ECW. It ne- it never, like, it obviously had its fans and it still does somehow. Yeah, but it, it, um, it never... But it never had, the, it never meant as much no. as ECW and, did. And that's what I want to say. Like, yeah, you can watch Nick Wayne, you can watch um, La Estrella from Dragon Gate, you can watch whoever do all these incredible smooth amazing things with our bodies in a ring mm. but you can't comprehend that in 1999 you were watching this yeah. american luchador do these amazing yeah. things and and you know part of it is the evolution of wrestling that over time um things change and the things that once were special are no longer mm-hmm. i think the like the all-time classic example of that is the DDT. So Jake Roberts does the DDT, and it's just like you've never seen shit like that before. It's just uh, 
It's a devastating finishing hold. And then for a long, long time, it just becomes, with rare exceptions, it just becomes a move in a match. Mm-hmm. Things like the sleeper, um, the superplex, yeah. you know, things that would have been considered like, oh my God, is that man still alive? Um, are now just spots. And that's just the way the business goes. And that's not that's not good. It's not bad. It's, it's, just, it's just the way. It, it's just the cyclical nature of things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, now um, fans like us absolutely lose it for, like, really good, you know, selling of limbs, for example. That's something you and I both love here. Um, And that's, you know, stuff that's... I think since maybe AEW came to prominence, it's something that, like, we're seeing a lot more of because, you know, in WWE time was that shit didn't happen and the independents were kind of like pretty obsessed with like are pretty obsessed with Copy. how many spots can yeah. we fit into the time we have allowed so they're one of the companies and New Japan obviously but I'm, I'm kind of more thinking from an American perspective here because we're talking about an American luchador um, AEW helped bring some of that stuff back um, and the wrestlers they employed obviously um, fucking uh, look do you know <laughs> something from the old school that is back in fashion now um, that I really love talking about something really big that happened last week. Uh, Punk returning, and Punk was in real life selling, overselling oh, yeah. the injury, so you wouldn't think he was back. And that's something that, like, look, once a guy is like healthy in the sense that, like, there's no career shortening, life shortening damage to them, I am quite happy to be worked yep, on injuries 100%. so that it's a genuine surprise when people are back. Yep. Like, for example, you know, the night before this podcast is supposed to post, you know, this post on Thursday, we're recording this on Tuesday. We're pretty sure Kenny Omega is showing up on Dynamite this week. But because he has been selling this injury like he will never wrestle again. Mm -hmm. And they have been, you know, using sources in the media by telling them this stuff so that they're reporting it as true. Um it leaves you with an element of doubt that I'm not going to be angry if he doesn't show up. Um, and I'm going to be thrilled if he does. And I I appreciate anything different yeah, now. 100%. You know? Um, I mean, and that's something, at the time, you never knew when people were coming back. They were genuine surprises, you know? Yeah, because not everybody was on the internet. Not everybody had fucking mobile phones and yeah. fucking cameras and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I suppose, like, to encapsulate, like, all that stuff we were talking about that really we really enjoy. We really enjoy any wrestler, any program, any angle, anything that makes us feel the way about wrestling that we did when that we were did, growing yeah, up. Exactly. That's That that sums it all up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, yeah, Blitzkrieg is definitely one of those guys that he just, he just takes he, you he, back. He, yeah, exactly. He just takes me back to being that kid, seeing him for the first time. Yeah. And um, you are going to be in for a treat on our next podcast. In that case, um, when we get to the uh, the pay per view. Oh no, the paper. Listen, I know this pay per view off my fucking heart, so I am well aware of what's coming. It's gonna be it's gonna be a party time at that pay per view because uh, this listen, is like, I, this uh, is the fucking death rattle. I, 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 I might go three shows. hours just on that Hoovy Blitzkrieg match. So yeah, I yeah, and I won't stop you. Um, Right, uh, then we get an ad for WCW, Smash and Slam Wrestlers. Uh, talk about stuff that takes you back, the kind of, like, boy stuff ads for wrestling figures. That really takes me back. Um, 
the I think maybe the first wrestling figures I ever owned Lee were knockoff WCW wrestling figurines of DDP and Raven that came in the same set. I'd love. To um, I think th- I was going to say. Well, I'd love to know what their names were. I was the. No, it was them. Oh, it was but them. It just okay. what, yeah, yeah, no, it was them. And it was like, but I think it was bootleg in as much as like, I don't think this was the licensed toy manufacturer. Ah, okay, right, right. They were definitely using WCW logos and the lads themselves. Um, and the more I think about it, I was like, uh, who were the next two I bought? And I, Jesus, I was really putting together a, a worker's fed in my wrestling figures because the next two I bought were Jericho and Angle. Oh, wow. Um, so like what a four and I never now that I think about it like I never owned a figure of The Rock or Stone Cold I don't think I ever owned Sean because he would have been by the time I was he getting was wrestling figures yeah. he would have been retired Um, yeah weird I think I got those four and then I got myself a, a, a WWF title one of the foam ones that was the way it went. I also had at one stage. I remember having the European title, like the actual um, European title, not the not the actual uh, one, but the, one of the foam ones. Because like I, what I really wanted was the Intercontinental title because I loved that. The oh yeah, oval, you you loved that kind of, oval design. Yeah, I really do. Because again, like you know, one of my favorite times with that belt because I wasn't a like I was big tail end big, big of triple new H generation. Fan. I was, it's it, like, it's stuff like the Benoit Jericho feud and shit like that, you know, that, that, that takes me back. Um, yeah. Oh God, I love that belt. That's probably one of the, you know, we've talked about before how we'd love kind of some of the, like the proper replicas mm-hmm. as ornaments in our offices. And like, I think the three for me would probably be like big gold, winged eagle and that intercontinental title. I think those are the three. And for me, it'd be so, you know, for me, it'd be the the WCW US title, yeah. um, probably the undisputed title, the 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 black, the red, the, the oh, black. Such a such an underrated belt. I feel like I've only seen in the last few years people really start to give that belt credit. Mm. It was around for such a short period of time. Um, that one, and I actually I really love the classic. Like nineteen ninety through ninety seven ish, WWF tag team title. Yeah, like yeah. LOD Money Inc. Um, yeah. Sean and Diesel that era. Yeah, I love the. Um, do you know? Like, if I had to pick a WWF title, it would be Winged Eagle. But I've always loved the the Big Blue Eagle. Yes, the, the one that was on the, around a year or so. I uh, I really like that belt, the the Art Deco style on it, mm. and again it reminds me of like you know the height of my obsession with wrestling as a child was like ninety nine two thousand, which is when that belt was, you know you know the the Triple H it, rock. It, feud yeah, it really and... felt like that belt wasn't around for long because that was introduced the night after WrestleMania fourteen for you know the yes. Austin Vince kind of segment, uh-huh. and it went away uh, after. Um, the 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 unification. Mm. Well, no, after sorry, after Triple H. Yeah, so it was wasn't a triple. Yeah, so it was around. So it wasn't when Jericho unified it. He was carrying around two belts the whole time. So it was around then for when, three years, but it was kind of in and out at the time because Austin had the spoken yeah. school for a long time. Yeah, um, and then of course invasion happens, so there's a second world yeah. title. So it never really had that focus on it. 
Yeah, but I think it's a gore. Like the design of it is gorgeous, even if it doesn't have the history attached to it that I, I, of the like the winged eagle or, I suppose like the, the undisputed title was around for fuck all time as well, yeah. the way it was like what two years. Uh, God, probably not even. Well, JBL had two thousand and two, two thousand and two till when did Cena win it? Two thousand four, four. So two years. Yeah. Um, and what a belt that was. That's the that's in my head. That's the Brock belt. Oh yeah, yeah, the one you see Brock yeah. holding. Yeah, yeah, the Bro- the Brock belt, yeah. the Eddie belt. Yeah. That's 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 what it is to me, and I, I do love that design. Um, there's one thing like, do you know when the the Triple H takeover happened? Um, and people were like having the narrowest of vain hopes that things might improve. In my head, I was like, one of the things is like maybe the next iteration of belts they won't actually look like wrestling walk, belts. Walking fucking brand, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, we've talked about that before. Uh, we get a Horseman versus uh, Raven and Saturn recap. We've talked before about how we're super into this feud. Uh, then we get like this was fine. But I think when you see this on the run sheet and you think this is the one I was most thinking of, I was like, if this gets time, this will blow away maybe anything we've seen on Thunder so far. It's Raven versus Benoit. And I think it only got to the level of being grand. Yeah, no, like I think it got time and it probably went probably went longer than we actually saw. Yeah. But I think second half of a taping these guys are just kind of like going through the motions. There's yeah. They 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 got a li- they, they again, they got more time than anyone else on this show, but mm. they didn't get as much as I would give them. And yeah, like you said, I don't think they were going out there no. to fucking kill us. They weren't. I think they they knew what they had coming up. Obviously, yeah. um Raven and Saturn would have a big title match to follow on Monday because this was obviously taped before Nitro. Um mm-hmm. And they'd really do a big angle on on the Monday on the Nitro before this, so yeah, yeah I I just get the feeling that this was booked to kill time on the show to have something that actually they could show on Thunder the following week where they knew like right yeah. these guys are in a feud this is a grand match we can just try out for like twelve minutes in front of the crowd or whatever, um, yeah. but yeah I just felt like they never really got going like we saw some great no. matches between these two last year. And that's yeah, that that's what get got me proper jazzed about it. And there were moments. Don't get me wrong. Um, there was I did laugh um, early on in the show. Um, they talk about you know Raven being busy, and one of the reasons they mentioned he was busy is mentioning the cursed Jesse Ventura movie he was filming. Um, but we won't get back into that. Um, early on, it follows the pattern of a lot of the matches between these two guys where it's Benoit making him hurt mm-hmm. and Raven just absorbing punishment. Um, throws him out of the ring. Raven and Aaron have words, grab each other kind of by the throat. Benoit does a baseball slide drop kick, which kind of clips both men. Um, you know, there's some drama of like, is Aaron distracting little Nate or is he just talking to him? Yeah. Because, you know, they, Tanae definitely hits home as like about how like even his license plate says four flare. <laughs> Um, both men out on the floor uh, Raven gets a chair does the drop toe hold and I thought one of the best sell jobs in the whole show was Aaron selling concern for Benoit after eating the drop toe yeah. hold like genuine I'm going to hit the ring concern uh, Benoit goes for the headbutt eats the chair and the reason I wanted to put this in here is like um, 
again with everything with the Benoit of it all we've talked about head trauma a lot on this show but I thought I have seen him go head first into the ring when he misses uh, headbutts I've seen him go head first into chairs I think this is one of the safer ones he ever did yeah it really was like I was watching it going on now we're going to have to talk about him headbutting the chair but he really does it very safely be fair if you watch this quite carefully there's like definitely a couple of inches of air mm-hmm. between him and the chair um if only eh? um so each chair raven gets up first he goes for the even flow iron hits the ring for the dq um hate dq finishes but again this is kind of one of those because the horsemen are heels at the moment uh once it's not overdone i like the idea of like iron can't abide this little shit uh, beaten one of his, you know, thoroughbred stallions. So he gets in. Uh, then we end up with a proper schmoz. Uh, Saturn's out. Uh, then Malenko comes out to save Arn. Um, I think maybe the post-match went on a bit too long, but they did get the point home. Uh, vicious beatdown. Babyfaces are dead. Arn gets on the horse, uh, gets on the mic and talks about the horseman. And I did like this bit where he's like, he calls back to his previous promos mm-hmm. when he was bringing the horseman back together. And he's like, bring back the horseman, Arn, reminding him that it was the fans that asked yeah. for it. He wasn't looking for it. And he said, you asked for it. The horsemen are back. And this, this is, is the result. Yeah. Um, so this is on the fans. Be careful what you wish for, which is something he, he said says, very yeah. often. Yeah. I, did, I did love that. A nice little callback of, yeah, these guys are now asshole heels, and Aaron is going, no, 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 this is what yous wanted. This is on mm-hmm. Um I did enjoy during the beatdown that Benoit laid out Raven with the even flow, and Saturn, yeah. or um, Malenko did the DVD to Saturn. So I mm-hmm. love, like, that That just makes this even more personal. Now, Lee, there's a flashback to Nitro, and this is something we have not mentioned yet. Mm-hmm. It's Sting's announcement. Yes. That they plugged very heavily. Yes. Yes. Um, you want to um, you want to let people know what that announcement was? Um, I mean, it's probably the most amazing announcement I've ever seen. I mean, in some ways, I was amazed. Because not only does he wait until the main event to decide to share this announcement... Yeah. He gives this proclamation, you might call it, mm-hmm. without actually opening his mouth. Yeah. Now, unless Sting is very good at impressions, and he, you know, he paid off somebody in the truck that as he. So he. he so we have. Like, I'm going to have to explain this. So the main event of the show <laughs> is Goldberg versus DDP versus Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. Yeah. In what I think was actually a title match. Yes. A four-way title match. I think so. Six days before the pay-per-view. Um, yeah. With Kevin Ash on commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we get extended highlights of whatever was going on here. The Goldberg would take out Hogan, DDP, and Flair with Spears. He... Hogan would actually kick it out after his spear. He was the last one to eat a spear. He would kick out. Mm-hmm. He would then get up to his feet, attempt to suplex um, Goldberg. Goldberg would reverse into a jackhammer. Kevin Nash would then miss his cue to break up the pin. 
and Hulk yes. Hogan will be forced to kick out of the jackhammer, which the commentators totally ignore. Yeah. Um, Nash comes in. Charles Robinson, for reasons unknown, throws out the four-way match as a DQ. And just as he does that, Sting repels down from the roof. He runs off everybody except Goldberg, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, he then proceeds to point his bat out to the crowd. He then goes to the other side of the ring and points the bat out to the crowd. The camera is. Yeah. The ca- we should say the camera at this point is hard focused on Sting, so you aren't actually seeing what he's pointing at. Mm-hmm. Um, he then turns and points at the new jumbotron or whatever it was. Yeah, and he throws his voice to sound just like the Macho Man <laughs> Randy Savage. This is the fucking weirdest video. <laughs> Which, as Randy Savage is speaking, the words are being. It's it's like a shitty PowerPoint. Yeah. So the words are as as he's speaking out whatever he's saying. Um, he's saying there's a four way match at the pay per view. It will be a world heavyweight WCW world heavyweight title match. It'll be Ric Flair versus Hollywood Hogan versus DDP mm-hmm. versus Sting. Yeah. And there will be a special referee of the one the only Macho Man Randy Savage. So Sting's big announcement was to come back say nothing. And bring Macho Man Randy Savage with him. What I love as well is that uh, Savage says, you know, refereed by me. And then as if people did not recognize the most extremely recognizable voice on planet Earth, he hits an oh yeah Yeah. as well. Just so you're sure who it is. So that big fucking announcement that he spent the whole episode of Thunder plugging wasn't actually Sting. Yeah, it wasn't him making the announcement. It wasn't him saying a word. It was just him doing a big point. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them some. Do you think like the clicker for the PowerPoint is in the end of his bat, and that's why they needed him? <laughs> I'm actually, you know, remember, remember like they did the with the Undertaker's urn, where they had the spotlight oh, yeah, coming yeah, out yeah, of it. Yeah. What if they could do it where it's like a laser pointer? As the words are coming up, Sting's point. Adam? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sting along. Sting along. Um, I'm gonna give WCW some credit here. So, God forbid. Sting and Macho Man had one thing in common when they both went out injured. Yeah, they were both members of the Wolfpack. They were, and now they're back. They are no longer members mm-hmm. of the Wolfpack. Yes, I'm gonna give some slight credit to bringing them back together kind of together maybe not together nobody really knows yeah um, <laughs> do they even really know no but look they've brought them back on the same night and they're obviously working yeah. somehow together because Sting knew Macho Man was about to speak so mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah so yeah I'm, I'm gonna give them some slight credit for that one yeah okay fair enough that's you're being very generous. I am. Yeah. But um I'm gonna think that hopefully somebody in the room thought, you know what, they were both members of the Wolfpack, they're both coming back at yeah. the same time. Let's do a deal where they're they're working together to destroy everybody else. 
main event is the WCW World Television title. Uh, it's Booker T versus Man Who Knew He Was On A Tape Show, Chris Jericho. It's also a MAD title defense. Yes, it certainly is. Um, Jericho on the mic, he's got a taped up elbow. Um, and this is, again, this is the part where it's most apparent he knows he's on a tape show because his promo is just him playing the hits. It's just him listing out just a, almost all, all, all his catchphrases. Yeah. yeah, in sequential order. Um, I like the early story of this match is that Jericho cannot hang wrestling with the champ. Mm-hmm. Um, Booker T looks very strong here, looking fucking jacked as well. He just looks fucking enormous yeah, compared really to does, Jericho. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, he can't hang with Booker. So, like, Tanae is going, or actually it was Larry who was saying, he's going to have to take shortcuts. Like, it's the only way he's getting out of this match. Mm-hmm. It's the only way he might win the title. And he talks about how, look, there's no shame in it. I spent 30 years. Um... I spent 30 years uh, using shortcuts and stuff like that. He actually had another great line on this show of like classic, um, classic fucking Larry putting himself over in spite of everybody else where he talks about how, you know, Ric Flair is the world champ. That fucker's been ducking me for, yeah, yeah. (laughs) which is like, is good continuity, but it's also like Larry fucking, the time has passed. I'm pretty sure that was in the first match where he just like can't help himself. Yeah, he's just fucking bucking himself into a feud with Flair there, like, um, so I, I will say this is the best Larry is on the whole show during this match because he does a tremendous job putting over Booker. It, it's funny that the commentators, when it's people they like in the ring, actually yeah. seem to do the job that they're paid for. Yeah. He talks about the dude's size, his strength, his conditioning, things like that. They do a really good job talking up Booker here. Like, like um, we, we'd see it in previous weeks or months even that when Jericho's on the show Tony is actually doing the job he's supposed to do um, yeah. like you said you see you see it here with Zabisco and Booker yeah is it any shock that you know Tony's big return to wrestling was in the company that Jericho ended up in I wonder I'm sure it's just a coincidence yeah Um. so Jericho has enough and tries to bail uh, Booker won't let him Um. Gets back in the ring, and I will say, um, Jericho, it's not his greatest performance, but a five-star shriek as his back body dropped out of the ring again. That was great. Um, I liked how they got to the heat spot in this, like, rather than some big dastardly move, and we gotta go to a break. It was literally just reverse whip into the fence, um, and Jericho takes control of the match. Um... Action starts speeding up towards the end. We get a rough, uh, a ref gets bumped off. Uh, is it Jericho, Jericho is doing like a, a flapjack? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and bumps into the ref. Uh, Booker spinner out of that. Harlem sidekick. He goes up top. Scott Steiner is out. Hits him with a chair while he's on the top rope. Um, and this is funny. So he hits him. He comes off the top rope. And as Jericho was getting the walls in is when I remembered this was a martial arts division title match and I bit on the finish. I was like, for like a second there, I was like, oh my God. I was get, starting to get worried as like the title is going on a guy who is out of this company in a couple of months. I actually had the same Fuck. thought. I was like, shit, yeah. I didn't realize Jericho won the TV title now. Yeah. Um. So then Stevie Ray comes out. 
hits him with a slapjack and it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, so the match was fine. Uh, and again, it was an interference laden main event on a thunder, which we as a rule hate. But it's playing into a storyline that's coming. T- two yes. stories at the same time. Um, so I didn't hate it. Yeah. Like, again, it's something we've always said. As a rule, we hate them. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do them, have them mean exactly. something. Like, that was a, it was the last Thunder where they had the, the backstage segment with Steiner or Hogan talking shit on Booker, saying Steiner's going to beat the shit over them. They're going to weaken them. And S- Stevie saying, hang on, hang on. No, no, no. That's not on. That, that's my brother. He's off limits. Yeah. And now we see Steiner apparently got involved in the match on Monday. He's now got involved in this match on Thunder and Stevie is like, no, oh, fuck this. I'm going to help him. Yeah. And it's also paying into, like, again, um, the final of the US title tournament yes. uh, as well as the, you know, the possible our Harlem Heat getting back on the same mm-hmm. page. It's, it's it's all so good. It's it, like that that part of it, I'll absolutely give them. Um, right, Lee, um, before we go to our typical end of a pay-per-view cycle game, um... I need your uh, your overall thoughts on the show and your winners and losers. It wasn't a bad show. Like, it really wasn't a bad no. show. Um, no. There have definitely been worse go-home shows. Yeah. There have definitely been better. I'm struggling with it because I did enjoy it. But there was so much of the show that I didn't enjoy, if that makes sense. Like, where stuff just should have been better, should have been... Hmm more but i really do think they did a good job this month hammering home yeah. just what's on the pay-per-view this sunday mm-hmm. and i think today especially did that very very well without overdoing yeah. it mm-hmm. so they were they really uh, hit that sweet spot for me this month yeah winners and losers. Uh, winners and losers um can i say blitzkrieg and callow <laughs> yeah you sure can it's, it's, it's your you have the office sir I think Blitzkrieg, Callow, and Rey Mysterio for me were like just the three standout performers on the show. Um, uh, loser. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to add one to your list of winners yes. for once. Normally, I'm in complete agreement with you, but uh, I'm going to add Mike tonight. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely stepped up for show as the main guy on one of the, on one of the two top shows, and he, yeah, he really did deliver. Mm. Um, loser. I mean, look, that fucking Conan Hoovy segment, or not the Conan. Um, Disco and Tuvi really looked fucking horrendous for me. Yeah. Yeah, that whole segment, again, apart from Conan, who I think came off quite well. Yeah, um, no, I'll distance Conan from them, but I think those two really yeah. didn't look great. Yeah, it was poor. But you know what? Um, in Hoovy's case, I feel bad because of what a natural talent he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Disco's case, I shed no tears. <laughs> Especially knowing where that guy... It's not like that guy is going to fucking um, blow them away for the remainder of this company. Uh, this is kind of where he's going to be. Exactly. Um, right, Lee. It's the go-home show. Which means our next free podcast in two weeks is going to be the pay-per-view. If this is your first uh, pay-per-view cycle with us here in Days of Thunder, we like to play a game where... that We've never really named it. Where I put the card for the pay-per-view in front of me and based on now generally it's just based on the podcast we've been doing but as lee mentioned earlier in the show this is a pay-per-view he has a little bit of fondness for 
Um, you are to tell me what the card is going to be. Okay. Um, and all the only details I will give you, unless you start to struggle, uh, are the number of matches available to you. Okay. And that is nine. Okay, nine matches. Okay, we have a main event, fatal four-way match. Ric Flair, Hogan, DDP, Sting, Macho Man as special referee. Yeah. I mean, if I really wanted to be a dick, I'd say, well, it's a four corners match. (laughs) Uh, Kevin Ash Goldberg. That's two. Scott Steiner, Booker T, US title finals. That is three. Billy Kidman versus Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight title. That is four. Juventud versus Blitzkrieg in a number one contenders match for the Cruiserweight title. That is five. Raven and Saturn versus the Horseman. That is six. Um, what else was announced on this show? Let me think who's on the show. Conan versus Disco Inferno. Boom, boom. And you're at seven. Um, Hardcore Hack versus Bam Bam Bigelow. That is eight. And match number nine. This is a tough one. Match number nine. Let me think. Hmm. I'm trying to rack my brain now. I I will give you. It's not really a hint, but I'll give you a stat about this okay. match. Well, I can give you. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a stat. Would you like me to give you the type of match it is? Go for. So it is the shortest match on the show. Okay. And it is a singles match. So you only have to think of two people. Shortest match on the show. I will, I will give you a further hint. And I will say to you, this is not a match that was promoted in, or built in any way. Okay. This is the classic WCW stab in the dark who was lying around a catering that brought their gear with them this day match by the looks is of it. Is Mikey Ripreck one of the participants? He is indeed one of the participants. Okay, I do, I'm now trying to think of who he was in the ring with. Um, I knew he was on the show, and that's why I was trying to think, was it some kind of multi-man? Or, um, mm-hmm. Right, Mikey in a singles match. Is it another cruiserweight? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't describe him as such. Okay. Hmm. Mikey, 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 Mikey. Who does Mikey face? Oh, I can see the whole fucking card in front of me. Uh, I don't want to pass, but I. I I have one further hint that will. I think it. I I think it's gonna click, and you'll get it's it. Scotty Riggs, like my. It is, it is Scotty Riggs. Yes. yes. My remaining hint was going to be was a former member of the. Uh, the no, as, so. as I was sat thinking, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Riggs. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So yeah, that's that's our card for Spring Stampede '99, coming from the Tacoma Dome. And as kind of people have pointed out to us at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter or in the Discord, um, or we ourselves have pointed out on the show, uh, for many people, this is considered the last great WCW pay-per-view there are shows that have good matches going forward for sure but in terms of like start to finish you end with a satisfied feeling that that was a good show this is most people's last one of those Mm -hmm. 
So it's going to be an optimistic party atmosphere on the next show um, because we get to do that. Uh, we get to actually largely enjoy a show um, for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, that's horrifying, isn't it? It's a horrifying time. Um, but thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks on the free feed uh, for Spring Stampede. We'll be back in one week for Black and Golden Days on patreon.com slash WCWThunderPod. So don't miss out. Subscribe today. Thanks very much, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.